Oh my god, what am I doing? Hi everybody, welcome to Just Thinking Out Loud. I'm doing something a little bit different today. Today I'm going to be talking to my friend, Dan, and we're just going to be having a discussion on the topic of socialism mostly, even though it might vary into something different. We were just having a conversation one day and I believe that I was telling him the benefits of capitalism and we were talking about inequality and then uh, he made a comment saying that I seem to have a bias against uh, communism and I was like yeah I kind of do and then he was going to share with me some history on the origins of socialism and why it was important and we were having that discussion we talked a bit about um, unions I remember we, we ended the discussion somewhere there and um, he has a thesis, which he's going to talk to me about, about why socialism hasn't really been allowed to take off. And he's such a fascinating person. And I always learn so much when he's telling me about history that I thought that I wanted to take this on my channel and share it with you guys. So hi, Dan. <clears throat> hi, Desiree. Okay. Um, do you remember what we were what we were talking about actually? Like the they do you need to or do you just want to jump in from um yeah, I remember uh we were talking about um the origins of some of the biases against uh radical left ideologies like socialism, mm -hmm. communism. Um and I was talking about the uh <clears throat> how from the very beginning um, those ideologies were under attack by by the dominant forces which at the time uh, in especially in Europe were um, the landed aristocracy and the rising uh, bourgeoisie the middle class the the class that uh, came up under capitalism the ones who gain their riches through 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 capitalism and not through uh, inherited inherited titles. Can you give me some dates here? And also, could we sort of give a bit of a definition, like when we say capitalism versus communism, just so that people know <clears throat> everybody's clear on what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. Um, I am. Referring to uh, around the 1800s, that's really when um, a lot of the these forces started to uh, started to arise. Um, you know, and, and it's all coming from the Enlightenment. So, uh, you know, you have these revolutions, especially in Europe after the French Revolution. Um, 1848 specifically, there are just revolutions all over Europe uh, as a direct result from the kind of uh, democratizing ideas that Napoleon uh, kind of forced upon a lot of places in Europe. Not, not to say Napoleon was, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Napoleon, I think. Uh, what do you mean, sorry to interrupt, what do you mean by... What did you mean by democratizing ideals? And, and also you said forces. I wasn't sure, like, what? Can you be well, so, I mean, yeah, uh, Napoleon did, um, he, he, he was supposed to be this hero of the French Revolution. He, uh, and the French Revolution was this very um, uh, uh, literal and also profoundly metaphorical break from uh, those old European traditions of divine right of kings and landed aristocracy and the supremacy of the Catholic Church and all of these ideas, uh, the French Revolution very cleanly uh, broke with. And then, you know, Napoleon comes along uh, as this hero of the revolution, turns himself into an emperor, uh, and it's a whole big mess. Um, but over the course of his reign, he, he forcefully, through his armies, um, waged war against the powers in Europe who were 
um, landed aristocracy, the, the, the kings and nobles who had been running <clears throat> the continent for, for so long. Uh, and so he was a man of the, the people? <laughs> like I'm confused that, about which side he's on. Like, was he for? I guess when you said he would, he I mean, that, um, like you're saying that he was the beginning. That was that was the beginnings of socialism. It was countering like land ownership and transferred inherited wealth. Is that what you're saying? Well, it gets complicated because um, for for a number of reasons. I, I don't want to spend too much time on Napoleon, but yeah, Napoleon was supposed to be. You know, the, the way that he sold himself and the way that his supporters um, thought of him was this, the guardian of the revolution, the guardian of this uh, radical idea that, um, that your inherited titles do not, should not determine your value uh, in life, that it should be based on something else, whether that's uh, the enlightenment ideas of, you know, all human life is inherently valuable um, or, or some other kind of uh, meritocracy, like the, at least the underlying ideal of capitalism is meritocracy, right? That yes. if you work hard, then you get what you deserve. Right, so that was the um, first revolution, like capitalism, is that what you're saying? Because I thought you were saying that that's where the origins of uh, socialism came in, but you're saying that, no, it was capitalism. And then the people who were the first revolutionaries didn't like the people who came along next with ideas of communism. Is that what you're saying? It was both. So both uh, the ideas of capitalism and the ideas of socialism come from the Enlightenment. Um, and Marx. We sorry, we haven't defined them yet. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. So um, I suppose the the basic way of uh, of defining the two under capitalism. Um, I mean, they're economic systems, and under capitalism, everything is commodified. Everything must be owned. Mm -hmm. uh, and everything has a money value. Uh, what this means is that <clears throat> we can um, abstract uh, needs, abstract what, what people need to, to survive. I, uh, a good friend of mine just recently sent me a, um, uh, a game, a very short online game, um, and it's called post-capitalism. Um, and it's this wonderful, I'm gonna, I'll send you the, uh, the link later and you can probably like post it on your um, additional info or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's this wonderful little game where it's just a point and click and um, it shows you the, a little capitalist city um, and a lot of the, inherent issues of capitalism, such as uh, commodifying um, natural resources or uh, unemployment as a necessity of capitalism or um, you know, general waste, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I want then, to write so, this, these down. I, I didn't... I'll let you finish. I didn't think of those things. Um, like, what do you mean by, by general waste? Oh, I mean, or under waste. capitalism, we produce far more than we need. Oh, and, then, and then a lot of it is wasted. I mean, like, it's pretty obvious in this country how much waste excess. we... There's a lot of excess. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, okay. Under socialism, and there are so many strains and varieties of socialism. Um, communism is a type of socialism, mm -hmm. um, but so is, I don't know, uh, you know, communism is obviously very different from something like um, <clears throat> social democrats who are uh, more hmm, liberal, in the sense that they're they're less hardliners, 
Yes, um, the Social Democrats, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, well, so, yeah. When I think about communism, I think about state ownership of everything and central planning. When I think about socialism, that's more, um, there's capitalism, but then there's some interference. Like, that's what I think. And in how it's not a total free market, but the government can say what money can be spent where, but only to a certain degree or how much profit someone can take. It's, it's just they're interfering basically in property rights because they're not, they're saying you can't do what you want, but we're going to try and structure society, allowing you to produce like own and produce, but not really because we're going to shift you getting back. So in order to shape society. And there are different yeah. degrees to that. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's accurate to what most people, including supporters of socialism, uh, think of when they think of socialism. Okay. Uh, that's I think the most popular uh, version, and probably the most flexible version right now in American politics. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm personally. Uh, very left on the political spectrum, mm -hmm. but I'm not, I'm a bit agnostic, so to speak, uh, as far as ideologies go. I call myself an anarchist, um, mostly because I don't think that I or anyone else uh, should prescribe um, a proper way to live uh, or organize mm -hmm. society. Um, but there, I do have very strong ideas about how society should not be organized. Um, and I think that anarchism is not a political philosophy. Uh, it's a, it's a moral philosophy. It's this idea that kind of, um, is very compatible with socialism and, uh, even communism, this idea of radical egalitarianism, radical non-hierarchy. Um, but um, I feel like you just said, I can't remember your exact words, but I think you just said that you didn't, um, when you were describing yourself as an anarchist, that that meant letting people, I guess, do what they want. I don't, I know that's not what you said. Yeah, but so, it sounds contradictory as as, to me, like saying that you're an anarchist, but saying that that um, lends itself to socialism and communism. However, I also understand that there are, there are different kinds of anarchists, like there are um, people who are anarcho-capitalists, and then there are people who are like what you're describing. Yes. <laughs> and I don't understand because they're using the exact same word. So with anarcho-capitalists... I don't know. I don't know what your audience is like, but uh, and you may want to cut this. I don't know, but mm -hmm. um, there. Uh, you you can insult people. Like, don't worry about that. They'll just argue in the comments, but that's fine. So yeah, um, <coughs> the rest of the anarchists uh, definitely think of anarcho-capitalists as um, contradictory self-contradictory and i don't know it's i think that it's it's completely insane um and explain. it's just it's so anarcho-capitalists as far as i understand is kind of a um an extreme libertarian that's okay. that's essentially the sense i get right yeah that makes sense to me yes mm -hmm. um the the problem with libertarianism and and look libertarianism and anarchism have a lot in common and they and it's not an accident they have uh they have the same parents they have the same lineage um it's just that with libertarianism they focus more on uh property rights more on the mm -hmm. uh yeah, so a lot on property rights and other other individual freedoms. Um, Whereas the majority of other anarchists uh, focus more on 
social issues and class issues. Uh, and, and so from my perspective, it's a bigger picture. They're looking at a bigger picture of, um, of bigger social trends that affect large groups of people uh, in unfair ways. And they're looking more at um, anarchists generally care a lot about the underclass. Um, <laughs> that's that's where they're most at home. Yeah, but I'm I'm still confused because I'm thinking about the term anarchy. Because when you say anarchy, I'm thinking you allow freedom, but in trying to fix social issues, you take that away. Like that's what I think. Like yeah, what, so that, to me, that's self-contradictory, even though you're saying that for the libertarian, like the, the anarcho-capitalist, the extreme libertarianism, that seems self-contradictory. But like I'm seeing what you're saying in terms of anarchy tying itself with communism or socialism. And I know that these thoughts exist and I'm sure there's logic to it, but that seems self-contradictory to me. So could you like explain that? Yeah. So um, first of all, uh, and this is something that I like to point out. Um, the word anarchy or anarchism, it, it literally means without rulers or no masters. Right. Uh, so it's focusing specifically on these relations of hierarchy of all different kinds. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas I think anarcho-capitalists put the priority on economic liberties, economic freedom. Um, okay. The rest of anarchists put their emphasis on, on, these, on these relationships. Um, so for example, I don't know, uh, they're into unions because unions provide collective bargaining power for employees against their employers, against their bosses. Um, and that provides for a a more egalitarian workplace. Even better would be something like uh, a co-op or an, a worker-owned uh, factory or whatever a business. Okay, can, I, um, can hmm. I interrupt you here because like this is I think this is where I broke our conversation um, because like unions. I was saying that unions are make sense in terms of banding together to I guess drive up the price of your labor. So that you're not just all competing with each other, but you're competing as a unit. Um, however, in terms of unions uh, forcing other people to join them, I was actually, I was an EMT for a bit and in the city. And uh, I had to like automatically sign up to be in their union and like pay dues, which I had no interest whatsoever in doing. So that is a form of taking away freedoms. So you sure, but that is voluntary, but you're not getting nothing for your dues. Yeah, but you're, I don't want it. Like I didn't but, make that choice. Sure, but I mean this is I'm the, this I'm kind like of feels forward. like the um this kind of feels like a and I know this is very, very different. I know this is very different. But it feels kind of like the herd immunity vaccination argument that Ah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? You know where I'm going with this? That like Let's go there. Yeah, you may not, um, you, you may never actually need this vaccine, but the more people who have it, the safer we all are. Yeah, uh, but that's, but that's <laughs> taking, that's limiting freedoms. And like, that is a form of hierarchy sure, to me because they're like these people who I can't say no to because they're backed by the law or the state. So, well, in theory, you know, if like unions, a, unions, like I get it if it's totally <clears throat> voluntary, like people just say, you know, like this is our prevailing wage and I'm sure you have to organize it. But when someone doesn't have the choice to back out, I don't know, like, I don't know that that, that does not seem like freedom or. Well, in theory, hierarchy. unions are democratic, right? Like well, I'm trying to say that they're not though, like if they're enforced. Like I get in the in theory, yes, but well, okay. So like in Australia, right. you're you have to vote. It's illegal not to vote, and you have to pay a fine if you don't. But 
so like you're you're a part of this system whether you like it or not um and you pay taxes and you you, you pay into the system whether you like it or not <clears throat> but it's still it's still democratic i don't um, i don't see that as democratic if you have no choice like it's democratic that. in the sense that you have uh it's it's one person one vote and your leaders are people who have been elected not in the case of a job uh in a business people who have been promoted over you or people who have for whatever reason have some kind of authority over you but you're talking Whether about hierarchy but like that in itself like this the you know being forced to vote and having to pay a fine that's a hierarchy that a lot that but that's a higher okay so if we're talking so we always have to kind of talk on a sliding scale okay um because that's just the world that we live in right if we're talking about um hierarchy in the sense of people telling you what you can and can't do i i don't know i i think that it's demonstrably more democratic to be a part of a union where you have a vote uh, than to be a part of a company where you don't have a vote, <laughs> right? I mean, like, you know what I mean? Uh, just right, from that right. power stance alone. Okay. <clears throat> but I'm just, I'm, I can't get over that you don't have the choice whether or not you want to be in the union. Like that is like the ultimate, like hand time to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. Um, different businesses have, and different industries have different um, rules on that. Uh, so I can't really speak to that. What I can speak to is just the basic idea that, um, and this is just a basic idea of capitalism, that you have bosses and that the bosses, uh, it's what, Marx and other theorists have called uh, extracting surplus value, right? Like the essential conflict between employees and employers or uh, subordinates and bosses is that <clears throat> the subordinates want um, their, their labor to be valued more and they want to get paid for that while the bosses want to get the most labor out of the subordinates by paying them the least so that they make the most profit. Well, I, I, I feel like I have to interrupt you here because first of all, I, yeah, we were, this is where we were talking. So you're describing the employees as subordinates, but I don't get that because they're entering into this contract. You can enter into a contract. But, 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 but also, um, you're making it sound as if either the boss or the employee decides what value the, the employee has, but it's dependent on what everybody else is doing. It's not just like the boss is like, I don't want to pay you more. It's, I have so much oh. labor available. So yes. you're not, so right, I it's like you, competition. You're talking about, yeah, so the supply and demand, right? Your value, right. your labor right. is, uh, the value of your labor is dependent on how the market values your labor. Sure, okay, fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. the, the essential, what I'm talking about is surplus value, is whatever, what, employees are not paid for, is, they're not given a, uh, a proportionate amount of whatever value they've created by their work. They don't. You mean in, in dollars? Is that what you're saying? Dollars, yeah. But so that's exactly what we were just talking about in terms of the market value. But okay, so there's this really interesting experiment. I think it was called the Cincinnati Times Store uh, in the 1840s, I want to say. Um, and it was uh, this early American anarchist who, um, who had a bunch of money. Um, I don't remember the story exactly, but he had a bunch of money and he decided to open this store. Uh, anarchist meaning on the left or on the right? Like as we were just talking. What's up? Anarchist meaning on the left or on the right? Left. Okay. Um, he, he opened the store in which, uh, 
shoppers shoppers would um would pay for the products with uh with credit that they earned by working at the store and the way that it worked was uh, nobody was making a profit like the guy who opened the store wasn't making a profit um and so everything in the store was super crazy cheap because it was you were paying literally only for the the labor that it took to to grow the thing and get it there yeah but that means that the guy who set the store up he's making that decision to not be paid for his work that is him coming up with the idea and starts and everything but that doesn't mean that anybody else who does that shouldn't be paid for their work like that sounds like a sure. nice experiment so then so then there's the example of um uh dr bronner's the the soap company yeah i know them i've used so, their soap yeah uh it's great soap um <laughs> they uh i guess the ceo um or i don't remember exactly the details but um because i'm not sure if it's like still owned by the original family or what but mm-hmm. Uh, the people who who run the company have a salary cap, like a pretty significant low salary cap. Um, but that's their decision. Specifically to oh. uh, to funnel that money into into better works, like charity. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So this question of like of freedom and limiting freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're kind of circling around this. I do uh, too. There was a very good. I think it was like um, uh, that Radio Lab podcast spinoff, um, more perfect about Supreme Court cases. Uh, I think I think it was that uh, podcast where they talked about this essential conflict um, between freedom and equality. Mm-hmm. And it came up specifically with the um, Citizens United case, right? This idea that uh, corporations could spend unlimited amounts of money um, to, to fund political campaigns. And how this is the way that it was argued. Um, it, the, the supporters argued that this is an expression of freedom, um, and to limit the amount of contributions a corporation can make is is limiting their freedom. Um, a corporation. Uh-huh. A corporation isn't a person. <laughs> I know in law it is, but I don't. I think that's garbage. But continue. Right, so I think the argument I, I mean, will, still ha- will still hold up either way. Wait, what you're saying? Yeah, I think I think that this is a, this is an extreme argument. Um, is, this also happens to be an extreme argument that played out and is now law, and it is insane, um, in my opinion. But uh, but it was argued as this principle of freedom, as this principle of um, freedom and limiting freedom. The arguments against it and there are many but the one of the most compelling ones for me is uh is this kind of like deeper philosophical one by allowing this by allowing this type of freedom you have drowned out the voices of so many more that like you freedom is not equal if uh, under capitalism, because those who have more wealth have more freedom. But that makes sense. But everybody has the freedom to generate wealth. Or you would say that's not Yeah, true. I don't buy that. <laughs> I, I mean, like, in theory, sure, but that sounds like the setup of social Darwinism. Right, this is exactly what you told me. You said that I sounded like a social Darwinist. 
because I was saying that everybody has a right to earn what they're earning because they're producing value and not everybody does it the same way. Um, but I, I do think that for whatever system people have, um, like if there's no altruism, I, like it won't really work out. So even though I'm very, um, not really on the left at all, but more in terms of ec economics on the right, I do think that I wouldn't want to live in a world where there is great inequality. And I, I also think this is true for most people. Um, to me, I just don't want to be forced to do things. I'm sure you already, you already know this. Um, but you're saying that the system itself, that people like the laws that people put in place should generate freedom by um, making it easier for persons to have the same access to things regardless of how much they're able to produce. I think that's what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I, uh, that sounds pretty good to me. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I would just like to point out that, mm -hmm. um, that a lot of people, I, I think, a lot of people who uh, are concerned about things like um, like immigration or uh, or the way that our society is changing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I think it comes down to a fear of that that there isn't enough in this world for all of us to live comfortably. And the fact is that there is, that there is absolutely demonstrably enough resources as of now for all of us to live comfortably. It's just that we have by far the most lopsided, insanely skewed um, wealth distribution um, in the world right now, no, n at no time in human history has more wealth, more percentage of the total wealth been in, in such few hands. Never, never. Not even um, with the revolution? Never. That we never, never, never. The pharaohs, the emperors, never. <laughs> this has never yeah, been- I, I haven't really looked into that. Like to me, this might sound cold, but I'm, I just think, Again, you're going to call me a social Darwinist. I think that that's just what happens. I'm not saying I like it. I'm honestly not saying that I like it. Um, but there are people who provide a great amount of value and they get rewarded for it. I know that there are complications in the systems, like people um, aren't, aren't convicted for crimes. Um, so it's not perfect. And I think that's a problem. But the basic principle is these people are earning so much because they're providing so much. I wholly disagree. <laughs> okay. I do not think that the majority of the people who, who have amassed so much wealth deserve that wealth or worked to, to deserve that wealth. Some of them have. Some of them have worked really hard. But using, some using of them the have way. done really important things in the world. But I still don't think that um, that doing good in the world should, I don't know, should, should grant you more, more freedoms, so to speak, than anyone else. I don't think that makes you, I don't think that makes you better. Well, you're using these words like deserve, um, and doing good, but I never said that. I was saying they're providing more value. I never said they were doing good. And to me, I also can't, um, <clears throat> like I'm not trying to make a value judgment on these people. Like I'm sure that there are nice, insanely rich people and really awful, insanely rich people. It's more like the, the mathematics of it that they are providing more. But we can change those getting... things. It doesn't have to be the case right. that such few hands, uh, prov you know, in your words, provide for so many. I, I don't think that's, even sensible. I don't either. Um, like I, but I don't want to change it through the use of, I guess, like socialist 
policies. Like I, I don't like. How else you know, then? I, like I went uh, about a year ago. I went to this talk, um, and it was it was this talk about uh, four futures. That was the name of the book. Um, the author he was giving this talk, and and the book was called Four Futures, and uh, the four futures he laid out um, followed this um, kind of Cartesian graph. Uh, the x-axis was um, on on one side was abundance, and the other was scarcity, and then the y-axis was uh, egalitarianism on the other side, hierarchy. And he said that. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I think we're about to hit something super fundamental because you're about to talk about egalitarianism in terms of the outcomes, like how, how much money people have, so how much access to things they have, such as lobbying. Sure. I mean, like, but economics, people, but also status, too. Status, too. Right, but, but that's tied into the outcomes. But there are people who, this is like a big, huge fundamental issue that <clears throat> like you're defining egalitarianism as that, like how, is it, how does it end up at the end? But a lot of people, they are thinking about how it is at the source. So how many people are in my way to stop me from getting access to resources? Right, and that's the wrong way to think about it. The, I, I don't think I don't I don't necessarily think well uh, yeah, yes it is an opinion but um I say that it's the wrong way to think about it because all those people who you think are in your way are actually potential allies to <laughs> to to take down the people who are actually your enemies the bosses the people who not okay bosses I'm yeah, using that I word mean, here that's, but, that's but like the class of people who who control the wealth like and disproportionately, they're the ones who are keeping everything from yeah, you. But they're, they're the not, but they're not controlling the wealth; they're earning oh. the wealth. Like it's not like they they like sit on like a like a big thing of money and like decides where it goes. They're like receiving the money, unless it's like through theft and you know. Once you have once you've amassed power, enough right? wealth in this society, I mean, like, yeah, once. You you've amassed enough wealth you can to a certain degree control the flow of wealth okay i, I kind of we're running out of time i'm sure we could continue on this but i really wanted you to talk about um why socialism has failed because it wasn't given a chance because that sounded very intriguing for me if you can kind of say it in a you know, sure. concise manner yeah, um, I just finished reading uh, China Mielville's new book, October, um, which is about, it's, it's a wonderful, um, dramatic telling of, um, of the events in Russia in 1917, um, with the revolution that happened there, and it's fantastic. Uh, if you're interested in the Russian Revolution at all, um, even if you've read other books about it, I've read other books about it, and this really brought it to life, and uh, it was very exciting and interesting. Um, but don't people use Russia as an example of why I don't so the reason that I, much, but yeah. why it doesn't work? Okay. So I, I bring it up um, because it's, yeah, what happened in Russia um is a tragedy uh and it's fascinating the reason why the russian revolution has such a bad reputation now deservedly so uh is because of stalin um and stalin was <laughs> can i swear on the show yeah sure um i mean he was batshit insane he was absolutely nuts um and I, I love how uh, Mielville describes him because uh, he he describes he describes how other people in the party um, years before Stalin's rise to power would would describe him as a shadow, as just someone who was always there but always in the background and never said much, never like distinguished himself, um, but was always there, and it just 
it's really creepy. Stalin was insane. Stalin ruined so everything. It, but isn't the whole issue that because someone has so much power, because there's a system that allows so much power, it, so, somebody bad can be in that position to use it. You know, this is this is a pretty um, specific political question, uh, and it specifically has to do with how the Bolshevik Party was, which became the Communist Party, was organized. It's not super interesting, but essentially Stalin was able to do what he did, um, become this dictator because he. Uh, was extremely good at playing these underhanded um, political games. And during this revolutionary time um, where it was, it was quite chaotic and Lenin, who was not a dictator and was not necessarily, hmm, um, a lot of people, a lot of his colleagues, a lot of people thought of himself as the first among equals, so okay. to speak, right? <coughs> if, you, if you miss my drift there, first among equals. He, he was dying. He was very sick. And uh, this is in the early 20s, I think 23 or 4 or something. Um, and during this time, that's when Stalin kind of amassed all these different responsibilities so that when Lenin died, Stalin was in place to, you know, he had control of this department and that department and he became a de facto, he became the de facto first among equals. I don't it, get it's, that reference. Um, I mean, it's the idea, I think the idea is that, in, it, yeah, in theory, we are all equals here, but there is clearly one among us who is the leader. Okay. But but on paper we're all equals, right? Right. So uh, Stalin deservedly gets a bad reputation and uh, and is the most um, persistent reason why the Russian Revolution still has a bad reputation. I have to say though, in 1917 when uh, there was so much propaganda against the Russian Revolution in Europe and in the States and elsewhere, um, it was not deserved. It was, there was no reason to deride this revolution unless you were afraid of, of, the, of the poor classes rising up and <laughs> and taking all the wealth that you had amassed and kept from them. Well, what I'm still not. Um, this might be a like again one of those central focuses. I'm still not getting over the the amassing of power though. Like you're trying to help the underclasses, but the problem isn't that. The problem is the concentration of power that allows people such as Stalin to wield it in terrible ways and then also i wanted to add to like what about other places because you're just talking about um russia but what about other places where socialism has a bad rep because of who oh, was in charge i mean that's uh, in large part due to um the immense efforts by the cia to discredit uh, communism in this country and all over. I mean, like, discredit and also violently put down. We, <laughs> this country, over and over and over South again. America, has, um, from what I know, like, I went to Nicaragua and I think there was some history of, yeah, of like the U.S. government interfering. Yeah, the so, conference. What, what would you say is the the exact like reason why? Because I'm trying to get to the reason why you think that socialism has to be given a chance like are you just saying it's the the image the propaganda what's it was hunted from the very beginning it was it was hunted from the very beginning like in 1917 russia um pretty much as soon as the uh the so-called whites the imperialists um who were the the conservatives the reactionaries uh the people who wanted to reinstate a new sardom 
Uh, as soon as they realized, oh, this is going to be a much bigger fight than we expected, uh, and as soon as the First World War ended, there was a massive, massive coalition of uh, imperialist countries, including the United States, uh, and pretty much all of the imperialist countries of Europe, who... Um, who made an alliance with the white army to, to take down the red army, uh, the communists, and they lost. Um, but that's, that's this kind of weird interchapter between the two world wars that's often not talked about. Um, but yeah, there was a massive global uh, effort to put down the communists because they knew this was going to be a threat to... Uh, but to the capitalist classes of the world. I hear about the the ongoing propaganda from the beginning, but even when the communists did get power, they messed up. So, like, even if there was propaganda against them, they still won. Even they still won in some places, and in those places. I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't argue that they didn't mess up. I, in, in some ways, I think it was inevitable. I don't I'm think really that people who, uh, who coordinated... The Russian Revolution is extremely complicated. There were two revolutions that happened in 1917. Right. Um, the February one and the October one. And the February... The, they were both, in their own ways, disasters. But for very, very different reasons. What, hold on. But you don't think, think I have the, the You think it's because of the people. Like what you're what I'm hearing you say, it's because of the people, not necessarily because of the system. Is that what you're saying? What what do you mean? Like you're saying you it's mean? because of the people in charge. Because you said that it was inevitable that they were gonna mess up. So I'm confused because I'm like, then why are you even arguing? Oh, they were just not prepared. They they didn't know what to they didn't know really what it meant to take the government. Like they had thought about it, they had fantasized about it, they had um, they had all these ideas, but they didn't fully understand what that meant to take over a government. And okay. immediately, because the people who, the Bolsheviks, they were the most hardliners. Um, or some of the most hardliners, they had to make compromises immediately um, okay. just by the fact of having to go. It, it, it's complicated, and I don't really want to get into it. Um, okay. But I, I, did you get but, your point across, uh, though? Like, make sure you get your point across since we, we got to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, what was my point again? <laughs> just, I was asking, <clears throat> you think that, that socialism... First of all, I was asking about the historical necessity, and we kind of went into that in terms of freedom. Yeah. But then also, I was asking specifically to talk about why you think it hasn't been given a chance. So just that's what. Oh, I'm, yeah, because uh, it was born under fire, it was born hunted, and it was born on the defensive. Um, I, I mean, like, it has always had to think about its survival and defense of its survival from the very beginning. And so when you, when any living thing lives like that, it has few resources, mental resources or anything else. <laughs> it's not a living thing though, it's a, it's a theory. It's a economic. Right, so I mean, I'm speaking metaphorically, but uh, if you are, on a literal sense, if you're focusing so much on, uh, if you're the Soviet Union and you're really freaked out about your biggest rival, the United States, uh, just having used the most horrific and violent weapon ever created uh, by orders of magnitude and right, right near your borders, um, and you know that they hate you, <laughs> uh, and uh, and you know that your country can't withstand another war like this. Um, you, you know you have to 
put your resources into defense. And uh, disproportionately, Russia, the Soviet Union, at the end of World War II was devastated. It was fucking devastated. The United States had the greatest economy in the world, maybe ever, <laughs> at the end of World War II. Um, and by the way, in part, that was due to uh, some like, you know, socialist kind of interference from FDR. But in any case, um, the Soviet Union had to focus on defense immediately, which meant that they couldn't spend as much on other necessities or their other priorities. The same goes with uh, these um, these uh, left governments in Central and South America who immediately had to be on the defensive from uh, reactionaries and conservatives who, in any other case, like, that's just the way that politics goes, right? Like, yeah, you're going to have political enemies. But in the context <laughs> of the Cold War, that meant that your enemies were backed by the CIA. And it's okay. immeasurable uh, resources. Um, I, I still, like, I just started, I, I started once ago, but I still haven't finished. I started reading the, the Gulag Archipelago, which um, I still don't know enough really, but the big thing that stood out to me was like the horrors that people had to endure um, under the root of law. Like, what would you say about basically just the horrors of these systems because of, I guess, who is in place? Because you're saying that they never had a chance to sort of stabilize themselves and like put a proper plan in place. But what does, that seems like, okay, maybe you're talking about economic things, but the big issue I think that many people point out is the horrors that individuals undergo. Well, under I don't want to apologize for the Soviet Union. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Okay, okay. I'm not, I'm, I, know, I don't mean to be putting you in that position. Thing. I'm, not uh-huh. a, uh, I'm not a huge like Soviet Union apologist. I'm not. Okay. Um, I do think that the the story of the Russian Revolution uh, is really fascinating and interesting and dramatic and a wonderful story and maybe something to learn from in some way. I don't, don't know. Um, but I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for the Soviet Union. They, I don't think that, no. But I can uh, provide, I, I can provide the context of the United States looming over the Soviet Union the entire time like okay. a boogeyman. Okay. Um, I'd also like to, um, oh shoot, I was going to say something and I forgot what it was. Uh, <coughs> <you go> <coughs> Honestly, I don't really have much to say. I feel like we, we could have gone, we could have obviously dug deeper, but I feel like we mostly covered what I wanted to cover. I feel like maybe you wanted to make another point against like maybe what my subscribers would think of what you're saying because you were sort of defending yourself. Yeah, I wanted to bring up a point and now I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, oh, that's what it was. Um, I don't want to apologize for the Soviet Union, but I do think that uh, radical left governments get undue criticism sometimes or um, get more criticism than other types of governments. I mean, like, are there not horrors under capitalism? Slavery was an essential part of capital, early capitalism. The, it, capitalism as we know it could not have developed without slavery. Uh, and to this day, we still have, um, it bugs me out every time, like when I see uh, a little sticker on a shirt or whatever that says made in America. And I, I always think like, oh, is this made in America shirt, you know, only $5 because a prisoner made it for, you know, just a few cents? Like, is, is that why it's so inexpensive? 
Uh, is that, that better personally is is that yeah is that better than like a child in cambodia making a shirt like there there is no something that um but that's definitions left, of like talking about left. slavery slavery and uh prisoners that has to do with definitions of what property is and also who has their freedoms so like you're saying that you don't think capitalism could have developed without slavery but that seems to be more like definitions and, and people and how they defined who was a person and who had, who was like a full. That's on the philosophical sense, but on okay. an economic sense, it's, it's, it all has to do with disposable labor, right? Like the idea that, um, yeah, that, that people are, are just labor machines and they are interchangeable. But isn't that what we are, even if we're not able to sell sell our uh, labor for wages, like we'd still be working in order to get anything. So isn't that what we just are? We don't I think that's an extremely <laughs> I think that's an extremely bleak way of thinking about human yeah, it's life. Very mechanical, but, but it's just we're not. But, but I mean in terms of I also Yeah, so like it's all a matter of priorities, right? Like, yes, on a certain level, sure, we are labor machines. On another level though, like we're so much more and to prioritize the so much more over our uh our labor machine selves, like that's that's the goal. Under capitalism, it's our uh, pro- our ability to produce that is that is valued over everything else, and that's wrong. Okay. I think. I can see. Um, I don't really think it's that it's valued. I think it's just how we inter exchange and trade, and it ends up that way. I don't really think that means that that's how it's people are valued, but I can see what you mean. Well, on a very real sense, like if wealth is a is a signifier of value, then yeah, we value certain kinds of people far, far, far less, and we value certain other kinds of people far more. And often for mm-hmm. asinine reasons, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, I don't really think it's asinine because it's it's um people providing things that everybody else wants a lot of it sort of driving humanity forward like all the little yeah but a lot of it is unnecessary bullshit (laughs) i um i have to get going but i am going to email you this um this little game it is uh just a point and click game it's called post capitalism you can find it at uh colestia c-o-l E-S-T-I-A dot itch dot I-O slash post-capitalism. Um, it's very, very short. It's just a point and click. Uh, and it's is it, graphic, is it graphical or is it? Yeah. Is yeah. It like, it's this uh, little, um, it's this little city uh, and you click on the different parts of the city uh, to, um, to see what the thing is. So I'm clicking on one thing. It says natural damage. Emissions and pollutants are rapidly making the planet uninhabitable. And so you just click on the thing over and over until it changes to solar panels. Um, And you click on different things. Turns out if you change one thing um, to a quote unquote socialist alternative, then another thing might revert back to capitalism. So you have to understand the relationships and it's not a, difficult game but it is extremely educational uh in a really smart and cute way um i'm very curious to see how your your audience uh uh thinks of of this very obviously biased towards left politics game (laughs) well i'm interested too um but everybody has a reason for thinking the way they do so it's good to try and understand um thank you for talking to me yeah thanks for having me thanks for coming on let me know what you think about this video it's a bit different from all my others and you'd have to be really attentive and paying attention to the entire thing and maybe i didn't quite guide the discussion right but i hope it was interesting just let me know your thoughts what you think thank you guys for watching i'll talk to you soon have a good day don't forget to subscribe and donate to the channel at justthinkingoutloud.tv slash donate. I would very much appreciate it. 
also I might be in a different space soon hopefully I can keep the continuity but I will be in a different physical location so I have a bunch going on right now okay bye